You're listening to the Beginning of Wisdom podcast with Andrew Schumacher. Beginning of Wisdom seeks to engage in theology and apologetics in the sight of God. You can learn more at beginningwisdom.org. Welcome to the Beginning of Wisdom Live. I'm Andrew Schumacher. And hello, I'm Nikki Schumacher. Hi, so uh, we are here. Look at us. We're, we're a little bit late, but we made it. We made it. So I'm excited about tonight's show. Uh, we are going to be doing some getting into Romans again. Um, this is the second to last show on Romans. And... Um, I'm excited. Nikki's here with me. Hey, I'm excited to be here for the Roman yeah. study. This is fun. Yeah. So um, we are going to, we've been doing the gospel in the Hebrew Roots movement, gospel according to Hebrew Roots. And um, just, uh, we've been just deep diving in Romans. And in case you may have forgotten since the last time when we, uh, when we first uh, started on Romans is what we are the reason we're doing this is to do something that really people in the Hebrew Roots movement can't do. And that is just go through a book without having to pull from stuff that's not part of that context in order to make sense out of that book. Um, you know, what, what actually counts, you know, as context for a book? Um, obviously, the most important context is what's right there within the book. Um, and... That's what you don't get a lot of um, when you're talking to folks in the Hebrew Roots movement is you get, you know, the all the other contexts um, other than that. So um, that's what we're what we're doing. And, and obviously, Old Testament matters, um, bringing that in because that that would have been part of what the, the readers would have understood. Um, but, you know, one thing you can't do like we did with Galatians when, you know, Galatians is most likely the first epistle Paul wrote. So you can't go and grab from Ephesians and say, look, this is what Paul really meant in Galatians because he hadn't written Ephesians yet. That's not part of the context. So it matters when books were actually written. All right. So we are going to jump into Romans tonight. I'm really excited to do that and to let you guys kind of come with me. It's going to be awesome. So uh, we had some technical issues tonight. Hopefully everything's more or less uh, working pretty good. Um, and uh, I am going to pull up. Oh, yeah. See, that is not what I want to show you. There we go. All right. So um, here is, yeah, so here we are, chapter 12. And we're going to start just right in verse 1. The goal tonight is actually to go through three chapters, 12, 13, and 14. That's going to be tough, but I think we can do it. So let's start there in verse 1. It says, Therefore I exhort you, brothers, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you may approve what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. So this is really the chapter where Paul jumps into application. You know, he has talked about the theology. He's gone into great depth of theology in the first 11 chapters of this book. And then in chapter 12 is where he begins to talk about, okay, how does this work? How does it work out in our life? If we are, you know, righteous by faith, um, what does that look like in, in a practical sense? And there really are some very um, important practical uh, impacts of that. So, um, so he, he does this. This is a normal pattern in his letters. Um, and, and notice something here. The very first thing he exhorts us to do is he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
um, it is sort of a well-known thing that you have um, the sacrifices of the Old Testament or the, the things in the Old Testament that are, are strictly religious in nature, the laws that are religious in nature, but also a lot of the just events and the stories and everything that happens are pictures of how it is in the New Testament. We saw this when we talked about, you know, chapters 8 and 9, how, you know, 8, 9, 10, how God, God used the term elect to refer to the physical nation of Israel um, as his chosen elect people. And that was a physical picture of the, the ultimate true elect, the people of God um, who have eternal life. So... I'm going to interrupt and say, say hello mm-hmm. if you want, hit thumbs up, click subscribe. If you are listening to the playback on podcast version, go ahead and do they subscribe to a podcast? Is that yes. how it works? Yes. And leave an, leave a review. Yes. And so, a, and a rating. And a rating. That's Cause that thing. really helps, yeah. helps boost it. Right. Yeah. Get it going. And share it with everybody. Yeah. Tell share everybody it. about it. So thank you. That's awesome. So, um, so we've seen this, this symbolism to reality. The, what is symbolized in the Old Testament in a physical form is telling us about a spiritual reality. Um, you see this in the book of Hebrews. You see it where it's related to um, the, the sanctuary, you know, that, that Jesus went to a sanctuary not built by hands in order to offer himself as a sacrifice. Um, that the the temple was just a picture, a physical picture of the spiritual real thing that that it represents, and that's exactly what we have here. The sacrifices and and see this is also not um, talking about necessarily just the sin offerings or anything like that. That definitely is fulfilled in Christ, but now we see the another application, another spiritual reality they pointed to, and that is. How we live today as believers, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So the fact that we are, you know, in Christ and, you know, we're supposed to live basically sacrificed to God to, to, to not do what we want, but to, to follow what he wants. And, um, and this is your reasonable service. A lot of translations say worship. That's, it's a, it's, this is a term of, you know, worshipful service to God. All right, moving on to verse 3. For, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of yourself than what one ought to think, but to think sensibly, as God has apportioned a measure of faith to each one. So, this is a very important verse in that it is giving us sort of a foundation for what's to come in the next few chapters. Um, this idea of faith that we are supposed to, once again, no boasting. Remember, he, he he's making sure that we understand, you know, it's not by anything in us or, or there could be boasting. We don't want that. We boast in Christ. But he says, you know, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Think sensibly as God has apportioned a measure of faith to each one. And, and this is showing that God has given a measure to each one, and it's not the same measure as we're going to find out later in uh, in chapter fourteen. You know, some have strong faith, some have weak faith, um, but each one has faith who, who is a believer. And um, it, it's interesting because, again, whereas you had in the Torah, in the law, the way that you live is you you read the written code and you you apply some of it to yourself. Some of it applies to, applied to everyone, but some of it only applied to some people. Obviously, priests had certain laws that were specific to them. Women have specific laws that are, you know, for women. Um, but obviously, all the laws kind of affect each other in in many ways. But you, but those are physical, visible, tangible distinctions between people. Now we have the the. In Christ, we have the distinctions of faith. Now, that's not something we can necessarily see on the outside. 
we have to kind of understand that from how people speak and, and what they care about and things like that. And we'll, we'll get into that in more detail in, in, verse, in chapter 14. But, you know, what distinguishes us in, in the body is, is going to, as we're going to see in the next few verses, we have different functions and we have different measures of faith. So let's move on to verse 4 here. Uh, verse 4 says, For just as in one body we have many members, but all the members do not have the same function, in the same way we are many we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, but having different gifts according to the grace given to us, if it is prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if it is service by service, if it is one who teaches by teaching, if it is one who exhorts by exhortation, one who gives with sincerity, one who leads with diligence, and one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So again, that, that gift of faith it brings salvation, but it also brings these other gifts, and it it's proportioned by measure and also in different ways. You know, some people are more, you know, I've in looking at the different lists like this one of spiritual gifts, I'm of the opinion that because they're all different and there's not really a hard distinction between them, like these gifts fall in this category and these gifts fall in this other category. Um that regardless of what you think of what continues on to this day. Can I just ask um, you a question? Yes. Is raising the dead a spiritual, spiritual gift? No. It's uh, not it's a gift not, of the Holy Spirit. It's not on these, this list. Just check in. <laughs> yeah. Raising the dead, not a, not a spiritual gift. Um, we see Jesus do it. We see Peter do it. Um, but we see Jesus and the apostles do, do things special. Um, mm-hmm. They are Jesus. But you and don't the apostles. see anyone else do Right, right. Um, something, I mean, healing obviously is is on other lists. It's not on this list. Um, but you know, I'm I'm of the conviction that because the lists are all different, and because none of them really distinguishes itself as as this as different types of gifts. Mm-hmm. You see, for example, in in First Corinthians, you see that this list with including healing and tongues and stuff, but it's right there with administration and, you know, stuff that, that we like do expect to continue. you feel like the lists aren't exhaustive, though? Right. I don't think they're exhaustive. And um, I think that there may be a number of things that, that could count as a spiritual gift that aren't even on these lists. But they, but what's, what they kind of net out to, and you see this in the list, is you've got a, a category that are serving gifts and you've got a category that are, um, teaching type gifts, speaking type of type of things. So you you have tongues, prophecy, exhortation. I'm trying to make sure teaching. I'm like on camera, which is yeah. hard because <laughs> we hard. don't have a. Yeah, the normally there's a monitor here where it's she can see. It's not just that I like a monitor; it's kind of necessary. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're looking. Otherwise, good. you're like being really artsy with like half your face on the screen. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, but yeah. I, I think that it's, it's the, there's these two different kinds of gifts and they manifest mm-hmm. themselves in a number of different I mean, ways. Like serving and teaching, serving and teaching. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I mean, that kind of encompasses everything you need in the church. Do you feel like people lean one way or the other? Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. I Which think, one am I? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you and I are both on, on the teaching side. We Dang, like to talk. that makes for a messy house. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Make, neither one of us wants to clean. We just want to talk. What? <laughs> no, I actually love to clean. Yeah. But I don't know if that's a service to anyone but myself. Right, right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we see we're, we're designed a certain way, and I do think that those, are, those come from God, and, and we kind of figure those out as we as we go. So, um, related to the gospel and and everything that we've been talking, um, I'm going to go ahead and skip forward to the first part of chapter 13 and we will go ahead and, uh, and read that. So in verse one, he says, uh, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except by God. And those that exist are put in place by God. So then the one who resists authority resists the ordinance which is from God, and those who resist will receive condemnation on themselves. 
For rulers are not a cause of terror for a good deed, but for bad conduct. What do you want? Or so do you want not to be afraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from it. For it is God's servant to you for what is good. But if you do what is bad, be afraid, because it does not bear the sword to no purpose. For it is God's servant, the one who avenges for punishment on the one who does, does what is bad. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For while the authorities are servants of God, busily engaged in this very thing, or for the authorities are servants of God, busily engaged in this very thing, pay to everyone what is owed, pay taxes to whom taxes are due, pay customs duties to whom customs duties are due, pay respect to whom respect is due, pay honor to whom honor is due. So here we have a very famous passage. Now he's shifting to civil authorities. And um, really we see this, this is a continuation of, of what he was talking about really in chapters 8 and 9 about God's rule over men is that one of the means of that rule is through governing authorities. And this, uh, we have plenty of evidence in scripture of, of you know, different types of, um, you could call it civil disobedience. You have Daniel you know, praying when he heard the edict not to pray and did it anyway, went to the lion's den. You have you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down to the idol. You have, um, you, you have examples of, of this sort of way that, that God's people, um, they do, you know, I guess, I guess in, in one way resist the, the, you know, a, a, an unrighteous authority. Remember, this is written to Christians who are under Rome. You know, they're not that they're always being persecuted at all times, but there, there are persecutions and Paul is, giving this to people like in, in that type of a situation and saying, you know, we're not, basically we're not as Christians supposed to rise up and overthrow the government as, you know, like the church should be in charge or something like that. Um, we, we, the, the government is there to help, you know, punish evil. It's, it's God's instrument of judgment. So, um, that that's something we should remember. It's it's a deep subject, uh, for sure. We could we could talk about it a long time, but um, powerful powerful stuff in terms of understanding again the the gospel. Because what is our our primary focus as Christians? It's it's belief in the gospel. It's trust in Christ, and Christ is King. Remember the gospel of the kingdom. Ultimately, Jesus is in authority over all of those other authorities, and that's. That's that's part of the gospel. All right. So moving down to chapter or verse eight says, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another, for the one who loves someone else has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are summed up in this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not commit evil against a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So this is a, an interesting passage. There's a lot of things we could talk about. Um, you know, obviously he points out love fulfills the law. Um, notice, you know, it's really interesting. You know, he gives some commandments. These are all from the Ten Commandments. Um, but as, as happens over and over again, whenever you have these sort of little partial references to the commandments, often they're from the 10 commandments every mm -hmm. once in a while, other ones, you know, lo love your neighbors yourself is also in the Torah. It's, it's in Leviticus, I believe. Um, uh, yeah. Leviticus nineteen eighteen. So this is, you know, this is all coming from the law. It's all, it, or it's, I should say it's all, this is all found in the law, but as he points out, this love your neighbor as yourself, this is what, this sums everything up. You know, you can sum up all those statements in one statement. Because if you truly love one another the way, you know, that God 
would have you, you, you won't do these things. You won't won't do murder. You won't commit adultery. Right. Right. So do you feel like this, it's, this is going to seem like a side tangent, but it's not. Do you feel like the, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another is wisdom about not getting into debt. I think so. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, or, and, and different kinds of debt. So like, Mm -hmm. You, I mean, money is the obvious mm-hmm. example, but also just, you know, owing favors, people that you oh. don't, you know, oh, well, you, you do this for me. I do this for you in, in that society. Don't even work in that. Yeah. Don't, don't work in this, like, you know, I, I'll owe you one kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Or even keeping just records stay, like that. Like, yeah, you know, we, we have certain people in our life that not everything and we will not name names. Everything comes with a price. Mm-hmm. It's like a thank you. <laughs> right. But um, I at one time thought that that meant like debt was a sin. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's very, very unwise. Yeah. But it makes me wonder how many Judaizers, can I use that word? What's the word we're using for people that like think you're bound to the Torah? Um, There's so many different words. Yeah, so many. I wonder how many Judaizers have a mortgage and yet they, um, you know, sleep in separate beds when she's on her period. Like mm-hmm. they, they follow the Torah really, really strict. Yeah. But I mean, the, the point is like you could never memorize all that. It'll catch you. Yeah. It'll catch yeah. you some, on some little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and really when it comes down to it, it's it's summed up in, in love your neighbor and mm-hmm. and interesting interestingly so there's a, a famous passage that often gets discussed where Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment and mm-hmm. love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and might the second like it's a, like like it is love your neighbor as yourself and he says on these hang all the law and the prophets and so what Jesus is saying there is different from what Paul's saying here. Mm-hmm. What Jesus is saying is that all the scriptures, really, the law and the prophets, um, hang on or are supported by these two main you know, Honors, commands. Really. These, are, these are the main things that, you know, love God and love neighbor. This is why, why we're here, why we exist. And everything else hangs on that. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul says the commandments are summed up in the statement, love your neighbor as yourself. He says any commandment. It's basically I, a summary. Yeah, it's it's basically saying, you know, there's, that if you're doing this, and that's what he says at the end. He says, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. If you're doing this, you are fulfilling the Torah. You know what this reminds me of? They keep making new traffic laws and driving laws. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't have the phone in the front seat while you're driving. Mm-hmm. Or you can't text and drive, or you can't hold yeah. hold the phone and drive, which you shouldn't do any of that. But mm-hmm. there's already a law on the books for all that sums up all of. You don't need to make new laws because negligent driving yeah. Yeah. is against Any the law. Of, yeah. That's it's, all. It's you know, we don't there. need a new law. <laughs> we don't need to add new laws. We already have. We already have. We it. already have a law. Yeah, but yeah, that's. That is what happens when, when laws get disobeyed, and we see it in the Torah. You know, that they'll get some laws, and then they'll go out and thin a bunch, and then they'll get a bunch more laws and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of things. All right. So that is, that's all I got there for. Um, oh, and, and the other one thing I do want to say in this, this sum up, in this, this quoting of these commandments is, Notice what's missing, and it's missing every time. Every time someone says, yeah, the commandments, you know, like, and they list off some commandments. Mm -hmm. You know what never happens? Yeah, commandments, you know, like, keep the Sabbath, you know, eat only clean, you know, obey, keep the feasts, you know, (laughs) all those commandments. Those aren't in there in the New Testament. In the New Testament, you do not have that kind of conversation. You know, like, love God and love your neighbor. That's how they explain it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, 
Um, those those types of religious and mm-hmm. ritual laws because don't you know, just aren't. Don't you think that like God that. knew like what loving my neighbor in America is might look a little different than loving my neighbor in mm-hmm. India or something? Yeah. You know, like uh, loving my neighbor in India might be making a bunch of naan bread and taking it next door. Mm-hmm. And loving my neighbor in America might be like not showing my midriff because that is culturally unacceptable here, but mm-hmm. it is culturally acceptable and even modest for pastors, wives, pastors, wives to, you know, mm-hmm. like if everything was so laid out, it wouldn't, it wouldn't give yeah. for those cultural differences. Right. Right. So yeah, it's, it's uh, we're going to get into some of that definitely here as we talk about chapter 14, but let's get, Let's start reading there, and we are we're making good time. I think we're gonna get through it. So uh, is that a hint for me? No, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> I just I just see we're we're about hey, halfway. Hey, we don't, we don't. It's just one more show material we already got written. That's right. <laughs> um, so starting in verse one it says, "Now receive the one who is weak in faith, but not for quarrels about opinions. One believes he may eat all things, but the one who is weak eats only vegetables." Mm. The one I used who, to be very weak. I was a vegetarian for like a decade. Yeah. Uh, the one who eats must not despise the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat must not judge the one who eats because God has accepted yeah. him. Who are you who passes judgment on the domestic slave belonging to someone else? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will oh. stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. So this section there's, there's a lot that's going to happen here in chapter 14 oh this my is goodness. this is a place where paul is really um bringing the stuff not only from the gospel that we've already discussed first 11 chapters but then also what he has already talked about in chapters you know 12 and 13 a bit because we're, we're faith is going to come up again where he talked about the measure of faith different kinds of faith that kind of thing that's going to come up again hmm. And, so many things just like went through my mind. <laughs> yeah. So here in, uh, in, in the first few verses, he points out love for one another fulfills the law. Are we? Oh, sorry. I was reading the, my wrong notes. Uh, he points out that, uh, right, that, you know, it's devoted to our conduct, conduct toward one another, specifically related to not judging over issues that are not clearly commanded about. And, the distinctions between people are distinctions based on faith. Do you, one whose faith do you is strong like, versus weak. Okay, so the, I never really thought much about this verse before. Who are you who passes judgment on the domestic slave belonging to someone else? Do you feel like it's important to realize whose authority someone's under before you go telling them what to do? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I've noticed, like, for instance, women in the church... Sometimes this can be good, but women in the church going to each other and telling each other what to do, like, you can't wear that. That's da 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 da. And it's like, well, my husband thinks, well, for instance, you probably have, I don't want to say lower standards. Your <laughs> modesty standards are not as strict as mine are, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. I, I don't know. Um, so if someone were to come to me, which it's happened, um, I don't know if. Maybe not. No, I think it has. Yes, it has. I was trying to remember if it had happened since I got married or not. It has. If someone comes to me and says, you know what? I think your jeans are immodest. And I'm thinking, well, my husband bought me these. And he is the head of our household. That person just disrespected the head of my household and just mm-hmm. perverted the authority that God right. set up in a way. Mm-hmm. So we do really need to be careful about about that right mm-hmm. yeah my misunderstanding right i mean i think there are different there are situations are different because sure. in 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 issues like these where there's not a clear commandment and mm-hmm. it's an issue of personal mm-hmm. conscience personal faith things like that and i'm submitting to my own husband in this mm-hmm. right. subject you know and there now there are issues of real sin Obviously, we yeah, I saw you we talk kill about, that guy behind the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go. You you know you go to the person first. You right. know if it's 
if it's, um, you know. No. You go to the police for that one, but well, yeah. right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I was like way <laughs> hyperbolizing. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, issues like this. That, that are for sure. That are for sure not, mm-hmm. you know, an issue of okay. clear black and white sin, but mm-hmm. just, you know, different people's level of, of faith, that kind of thing. Yeah, you definitely, mm-hmm. they, they stand or fall. And in this case, it's obviously talking about God as being the, the master, but, but I think that principle does hold for mm-hmm. sure. So, um, so here's the thing, um, and this this is this is a big deal. As we're, oops, I clicked the wrong thing. There we go. Um, this is a big deal. So, in this situation, and and we're gonna we're gonna see this as as we get, you know, it says to his own master he stands or falls. You know, you don't pass judgment. Um, these first verses, you know, are just talking about something simple. You know, eating someone who is able to eat all things mm. and someone who only eats vegetables. Now, this would be an obvious place for Paul to just cite the law and say, oh, yeah, I mean, someone eats only vegetables, that's fine. But if someone eats meat, that's fine because there's clean meat and there's unclean meat and therefore the law says it's okay. Why didn't and, he clarify? He, so he, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, you know, it, it would be an easy case closed sort of situation. But he doesn't cite the law. In fact, as we're going to see, the the overall principle in this chapter is that there is a way. You know, in this area where there's no, you know, set command, because he's not. Again, the, this isn't about eating meat necessarily. I mean, it. That's the issue. It's an issue of eating meat or not eating meat is not an issue of sin. There's no command that says. You must eat meat. There's no command that says you mm-hmm. must not eat meat. There, whether you do or don't isn't a sin. However, there's a sin in this passage, and that sin is judging someone based on what isn't a sin. Mm. Um, that's the sin. And there's actually there's two sins. There's judging someone, you know, to be sinning when they're not. The second sin is um, basically flaunting. The fact that you're not sinning in front of someone who has weaker faith and and sees it as mm-hmm. as an issue of conscience for them. So this is there, hard. There are two sins it's that really are real hard. sins in this passage. But, I've sinned on but, both sides of this. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not they're not whether yeah. you eat or not. And mm-hmm. so one of the things I think that's really powerful about this is, and we've talked about this before, is how Paul in his examples he uses, he's very good. At taking an example that is obvious to a certain, you know, to be talking about certain things in one way, it's it's specific enough, but also vague enough so that you can apply it more broadly than to just the examples mm-hmm. he's giving. So, for example, he's talking about eating meat versus not eating meat. You know, he doesn't mention, you know, clean or unclean. He's going to. So, so he's not, that's not outside of his realm of thinking but he starts off at this point talking about eating meat and not eating meat and and there's a reason for this and it, it's because Paul knows you know the, the this whole book to the Romans it's it's very much talking about the Jews and the Gentiles Israel and the Gentiles the the people who are are from one culture versus another culture and there's both of them in the church so he's speaking to both of them and what it you know the thing about people who have issues of conscience with what they eat he's got people both jew and gentile who have issues with this number one you've got jews who you know have only eaten clean their whole life you know they've never eaten anything that was unclean under the law so they have issues there obviously um but also the pagans the the former pagans who have come out of idolatrous practices which involved you know, sacrifices and, you know, in the pagan temples and eating the meat and everything that goes along with that, who are, they look at that and it's repulsive to them now because they're not pagans anymore. And so both sides have an issue here um, when it comes to eating food. Um, so so he's he's making it vague enough. He is It's specific enough so you know it's about food, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's vague enough so it doesn't just only apply to the pagans or the Gentile or the, right. the Jews. 
it, you we know, the could, former pagans, so to speak. Evil comes in polar pairs, and I mm-hmm. know I say that way too much, but it's true. Like in this situation, you could sin one way or the other very easily. Yeah, and um, he really, he really sticks it to either person to really search their heart. Right. Um, yeah, you can't really tell from the outside always if someone's in sin. Right, you can't, and and this this is really a great like you'll see. Um, I mean, I could I've done a whole episode talking about this chapter um, on a different subject related, but um, as I'm going through it again, there's just new stuff, so I wanted to to hit on that as well. Um, so let's see, let's keep moving through the the verse here. We're gonna have a lot of things to talk about. So then in verse five. Um, he says this right after he just said, the Lord's able to make him stand. Verse five, one person prefers one day over another day and another person regards every day alike. Um, each one must be fully convinced in his own mind. Um, the one who is intent on the day is intent on it for the Lord. And the one who eats, eats for the Lord because he is thankful to God. And the one who does not eat, does not eat for the Lord, and he is thankful to God. For none of us lives for himself, and none dies for himself. For if we live, we live with the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Um, therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Mm. So, this is, in this section, you know, right again, without missing a beat, he, he shifts from eating to talking about days. And mm. once again, it's in that way that is just vague enough, you know. <laughs> so he does he say the the feast days, the Sabbath, you know? Does he does he talk about those specifically? No. Does he talk specifically about any pagan holidays either? No. And that's because he wants to make it very, very, very clear. It doesn't matter what days there are, or what days you consider important, um, or, or don't consider important. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't reference he's, he doesn't go to the Torah and say, well, see, God has ordained these days. You know, if you think certain days are important, well, let me tell you about the feast days. You know, that's what, you know, your, your typical person who's, you know, Torah observant would do. If someone's like, well, you know, I, I just, you know, holidays are, are cool, whatever. Well, let me tell you about the feast days. Well, that's not what Paul does. It literally talks about days. Yeah, he, he says, you know, one person considers one more important, another one does not. He's talking about varieties of people. You know, this isn't where he's saying, you know, don't let anyone judge you just because you keep the feast. You know, he, he's that's inserting things that aren't there. This, um, ha- this causes a lot of explanation to be needed from quite a few denominations that really think days are important. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, he, he put him, he puts days, what days you consider more important than others or don't in the same category as meat, whether you eat meat. Um, as long as you do what you do unto the Lord, there's no reason for anyone to judge anyone. Mm. Um, and again, he's, he's being perfectly unspecific in just the right way so that, you know, you, you don't um, get, get caught up in, in, in thinking wrong here. And, and I want to make this really explicit. Um, <laughs> so people in generally, I mean, I, obviously there, there may be some exceptions, but people who are, are in the Hebrew roots movement, Torah observant people who say, you know, all the normal holidays that Americans celebrate are pagan and, you know, we should we should be celebrating the feast that that Israel received from Mount Sinai. That's that's you know God's pointed times. That's that's what With everyone zero should be doing. Historical references to um, back it up, mind you. Yeah. So here's the thing: Torah observers are simultaneously judging believers who do not celebrate the biblical feast with them, and also they judge believers for having other holidays that they do observe. Mm-hmm. You know, Christmas, Easter, all of that. Um, For actually Torah just, observers yeah. are actually double violators of this passage. Mm-hmm. Um, they they judge the one who keeps, who considers one day better than another when that person considers Christmas a, a special day. It is totally okay <laughs> to 
come to Christ and say an American or a Canadian or a Chinese person <laughs> or what yeah. wherever you're from, if you want to celebrate Chinese New Year because mm-hmm. you're from China, it's fine. You don't have to give that up to be a Christian. Right, right. So, and, and again, and this is true in Paul's day, mm-hmm. and you might say, well, you know, but the, the Gentiles, they were doing like, their holidays were like pagan holidays, like really pagan holidays, you know, celebrating Athena and stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, if if somebody is on a special feast day for the goddess Athena going into her temple and offering sacrifices, yeah, that's a problem. Um, but notice he's not talking about what you do. He's just talking about your mindset, you considering a day more important than another day. Um he, as he said many, many times, it's unto the Lord. It's to God. If we're doing it unto the Lord and what we're doing itself isn't a sin, then yeah, we're, we're, Do that's we have fine. time for a pertinent question right now? Or do you want me to completely hold all questions um, to the end? Let's, I am very close to being done. Let's go ahead and hold the questions okay. till the end. I've just got have, a couple more. We have more. at least one good question. Okay. And that, that reminds me, definitely, like, if you have questions and you're in the chat right now, yeah, go ahead and, and think them up and type them up and put a big question in bold letters and at I'm the beginning. And I'm here, so it's easier for me to see. Right. Nikki's here to, so. to uh, catch those Make and sure she'll get them to me. Them. I always yeah. catch them even when I'm not here, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I missed it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard when you're I the try. only one. I try. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Here we go. So last couple sections here. So verse 13. Therefore, let us no longer pass judgment on one another, but rather decide this, not to place a cause for stumbling or temptation over a brother. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean of itself, except to the one who considers something to be unclean. To that person, it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is grieved, you are no longer living according to love. Mm. Do not destroy by your food that person for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered. Mm -hmm. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So here's where Paul's starting to get specific. You know, he says... You know, he, he's being very clear and, and very simple here. You know, this is not, un, you know, this is not really mystical, symbolical language. Mm-hmm. He's saying, it's I'm convinced clear. nothing is unclean of itself. That means wow. nothing you could eat of itself is defined as unclean. In, in Christ, everything is clean. However... As we're talking about the, this dynamic of faith, the one who's strong versus weak, the one who is, you know, has an issue of conscience to that person, the one who considers it unclean, it really is unclean. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of your disposition towards something that, that determines that. It takes so much maturity to realize this because we all... I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard. I mean, we have to have grace for the weaker brother because we've yeah. all been the weaker brother. And you look back and you're like, oh, it's so hard not to see it as like a life and death issue. Like, for example, I, my stomach turns over to buy anything from Starbucks because at one point, now I don't know if this is still true, but at one point I had seen some very, reputable sources that showed they donate to Planned Parenthood. So for me, I just, I, to drink that coffee, it just, it just turns my stomach, Mm -hmm. just turns my stomach to think I'm giving money to Planned Parenthood. But this verse says, this is what the Bible says. It says there is no, there's nothing unclean in Mm. and of itself pertaining to food. If I didn't read that verse, mm-hmm. not I'm not to say I'm mature. We know this. <laughs> we know I'm not. Uh, but if I hadn't read that, it would be very easy for me to like be preaching from dawn to dusk on my Facebook. Don't don't go to Planned 
you know, or don't go to Planned Parenthood. Of course, don't go to Planned Parenthood. Um, unless you're like going there to pray for people. But don't go to Starbucks. Right. Like, I would just be causing more burdens for people mm-hmm. if I was out there preaching for people that they're, you know, you're in sin if you're doing this. Nope. Nope. Right. That's just my personal conviction. Can't yeah. hold that on other people. Exactly. So, yeah. And, but for that person, you know, for the person who, who doesn't, like you're talking about, doesn't mm-hmm. want to go and, and participate in, in that, whatever is being called unclean here because of food. And, and it's, he's clear. I mean, he says food over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about food and talking about clean and unclean. Like this is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, don't destroy by your food that person for whom Christ died. Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side, you know, both, both this is true. So, so he, he kind of already talked about, you know, don't judge people because mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they don't measure up to what you think is, is righteousness. Um, don't judge someone else's servant. Now he's not talking about judging. Now he's talking about your behavior. Now you, who is the, the one who doesn't have a problem with it, um, if someone does, like, don't rub it in their face. Like, don't do it. Just like seriously, don't do it. Um, and he goes on to even talk about the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit. But um, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Can I just one mm-hmm. really awesome cross reference? Yeah. Bear with me. Bear with me. Second Kings five. This guy gets saved, and he says, "But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing." When my master enters the temple of Ramon to bow mm-hmm. down, and he's leaning on my arm, and I bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. And it's like not this like legalistic thing. Like he, his boss, you know, this is his job. Base was it yeah. like slave kind of yeah kind of. situation? Mm-hmm. What can he do? You know, um, that's that that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's these situations that there are, are, there are nuances that are, we, yeah. Yeah. That we have to take into account. So, um, just a little bit more and we will be able to get to you guys' questions here. So, um, but yeah, what I wanted to say there, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, you know? So think about that. If, if you're someone who, who thinks, oh yeah, the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, I'd like to talk about that. Um, yeah, I do too. And um, what do you think defines the kingdom of God? To Paul, it is not what you eat and drink. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, for again, for a lot of folks in the Hebrew Roots movement, um, the idea of eating something, you know, that in, you know, the, in, in ancient Israel was unclean, is somehow, you know, that's not going to be okay, you know, in the kingdom of God. Well, Paul's pretty clear. It's, it's, uh, Everything is, and, and he's going to get even more clear in it here in a second. That is not about that. So he says, um, in verse 19, uh, last couple sections here. So then let us pursue what promotes peace and what edifies one another. Do not destroy the work of God on account of food. All things are clean, but it is wrong for the person who eats and stumbles in the process. So he's, he's already said this in a way, but he's just once again saying all things are clean, but it's, you know, the, the person who, who stumbles because of their conscience, again, it's, it's a sin. It's wrong for them to, mm-hmm. to go ahead and, and do that. So they shouldn't be pressured into doing that. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, he says, you know, it's on account of food. He doesn't say on account of clean food. Mm-hmm. And when he says all things are clean, you know, if, if you say, well, all clean things are clean. Like it, it just makes Paul sound like an idiot. One when, thing they when do you say don't. is like, well, it's not food. Mm-hmm. Like when you eat yeah. genetically modified mm-hmm. aluminum. <laughs> I don't know. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They say it's like, it's not food. Or like goldfish crackers that are made from... I mean, some of it really is not food, but in ourselves. What yeah. would you say to that? I would say it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy, yeah. But it's not a sin. I would you know? agree. 
So, and, and it's not stuff like that. Isn't what Paul's talking about. In fact, again, Paul's talking about food and he's talking about how it's not important. The, whether it's food isn't even important. Um, what's important again is, is the heart and, and the disposition you have towards them and, and not trying to make them stumble. Um, and then uh, verse 21, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine. So now he's bringing in alcohol into this little mix. Um, it, is not, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is weakened. The faith that you have, have with respect to yourself before God. Blessed is the one who does not pass judgment on himself by what he approves. But the one who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not do so from faith. And everything that is not from faith is sin. So it comes back around again to faith. Um, what you do and, and whether something is right or wrong for you in terms of these, again, these types of issues. And, and he just went ahead and you know he said all this stuff about days and about what you eat. And he went ahead and threw wine in there at the end. Um, just to say that's in this, everything I just said about what you eat and whether you consider days, whether you drink wine, also, same thing, same in, in this, this, all this stuff, um, is that, you know, the, the point is that it's based on conscience, it's based on faith. Mm -hmm. God has given us each a measure of faith in, in Romans chapter 12. God has done that. There's nothing in any of this that says you should try to be stronger of faith or weaker of faith. There's nothing in here about that. It's, it doesn't say for the one who eats, you know, but does not do so from faith, he should, you know, work on building up his faith so he can eat. Well, it's, it's not like what it says. A blade of grass to grow faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, he, he says, kind of God has given at. you, yeah, God has given you faith, a certain measure or your function in the body. Um, and the fact is mm -hmm. like, there's, I mean, you could, you could imagine lots of reasons why um, everyone just isn't the same on this issue. The way you are um, raised. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and why from God's perspective, why hasn't God given everybody the, the full measure of faith to just be able to eat what they want, celebrate how they want. Or even traumas or that, kind of that you've experienced. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, so that is, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, we're saved through our faith in the gospel. And then our faith is what informs, you know, our, our behavior toward one another. It's, it's not, again, there, it's not about a written code. It's, I mean, it's not that obviously there, you know, none of this is talking about blatant and obvious sin. Mm -hmm. Um, all of this is I do not have the faith <clears throat> to go to the mall in a midriff top. Yeah. I don't I don't have it like yeah. oh I'm weak in that area. <laughs> yeah. Um so just uh last thing I want to say and then we'll get to our questions um is when it comes to these issues and Paul is clear that these issues related specifically that that do relate they're they're broader than just you know, issues related to the Torah, but they apply to those issues as well. That these things are issues where the, it is not sin, whichever way you go, whether you eat, you know, what you eat mm -hmm. is not an issue of sin. What days you celebrate is not an issue of sin. Whether Amen. you drink alcohol or not is not an issue of sin. Those things are issues of it's not that you can't sin in them. You know, if you, if you don't think, if you have doubts and you don't think you should, but you just try to make yourself anyway, mm -hmm. that is sin. Faith is sin. And, and if, you, if you judge someone who does it when you think you shouldn't, that is sin. And if you just go ahead and do it around people that you know have issues with it, that's mm -hmm. sin. So there's definitely sin in this yeah. passage, but those types of, of, of issues, you know, are not, are not part of that. So, uh, let's go ahead and see what, uh, what questions do we have? Okay. Very interesting questions. 
The first question comes from Misty. And um, she says, do you believe that head covering is commanded for women who are worshiping or praying and prophesying or was it cultural? And I think we have different opinions on this or do we have? Um, not, I, I'm not, I've heard lots of good Should things I? from different perspectives. You know, go ahead and say what, okay. what you think. I think, I feel is. like if I share it comes, it'll come across nicer because <laughs> I'm a woman. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, we should always love, you know, if I'm around someone, if I'm visiting a church where it's a head covering a church, I'm going to wear a head covering. Mm-hmm. Um, if my husband, if you were like, you know what, I really think this is what I really think I would do it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, why would I buck on something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and cause division. If, if my husband says, Hey, you know, I really think it's modest and biblical for you to wear a head covering, I would go for it. Um, that being said, there are so, there are a lot of different opinions on this. And I read the original Greek, like I did my best backwards and forwards, took a couple of years of Greek in, in Bible college, um, and smarter people than me disagree. So I want to be like very tactful about this. Cause I know that there are true sisters in Christ and brothers in Christ that think that, you know, head covering is like where it's at. Um, it says head covering. It does not say hair covering. Um, and from the context of the passage, I really do believe that my hair mm-hmm. is a head covering. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is. It's a mark of authority for me to look like a woman and for my husband to look like a man, not in some like chauvinistic way, mm-hmm. but um, I it's shameful for a woman to. It's not like it's like a a sin for a woman to have a short haircut because that's easier and it's cute or whatever. But is she trying to be some kind of like like feminist cut your hair off i'm gonna be i'm the preacher of this church is it mm-hmm. it's the attitude behind it is she trying to be the authority figure and in that culture for a woman to have short hair would be painful you know she if and if if for some reason you know say she had head lice and had to shave her hair please wear a head covering out of respect so that the women look like women the men look so i don't know if that's uh, gonna offend anyone out there that is not my intention because truly i i believe that like i said people smarter than me disagree and it is not a salvific right issue um we've heard a lot of different yeah i've heard lots of very good um teaching on it i've mm-hmm. it's still one of those issues that i'm not certain about honey if you want but, me to cover up my right. my glorious hair <laughs> I've heard people say, oh, it takes away from the glory of God in church for their glorious hair to be showing. I'm telling you, nothing, nothing next to Jesus looks glorious. Not not a thing. Not a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I. The as far as the, you know, whether you. You know, think it's the hair or whether you you cover with something else, I think that uh, the other stuff I definitely I'm down with the the idea that there should be a, a distinction um, mm-hmm. as he talks as Paul like, talks about the, the the mark of authority the that, pants? that men yeah that <laughs> that women have have this this distinction because and and that's why men don't have you know whether you say it's a covering or or the long hair that kind of a thing in that in that context that that they don't is because the men are. Um, you know their authority is is Christ, and if if they also had long hair because they're under authority of Christ, like then there's no distinctions. It's all like you know now. Or even nowadays, you know, like so men and women like switching roles, and it's shameful. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that's probably open up a whole another can of worms. Yeah, so, I mean, anyway, right? So. Cool. So another question, any other questions? Or? There are, and I don't know if we'll know the answers to mm-hmm. them, but we will oh, try. So um, 
This one I had not heard before, but it does not surprise me. Barbara Huffman, thank you for your question. And she asks, why don't Hebrew roots believe in marriage license? Have you heard that? I've never heard that. It doesn't surprise me. But hey, you know, we believe in like respecting authority that God put in our life. And yeah. so yeah. where I live, you have to have a marriage license. Yeah. I, yeah. I never heard of that before. <laughs> so yeah. no idea. Um, the Barbara also asks, I would like to know why they can have more than one wife. So, some of them do. Yeah, uh, some of them do. And that's not something we've really talked about, but it, it has <laughs> happened. Um, it is happening. And it's, uh, you know, I think that they, again, it, I think it's a, it's looking at, is this really, when you read, when you read the Bible, when you read the Old Testament, you it's it's tempting, and I think this is a big cause of why. Ooh, see, I can do it. The Hebrew Hebrew roots <laughs> movement is what it is, um, because it's tempting to look at it like, this. like it's all like uh, you know, and there's some truth to this, but okay, this section is just narrative. You know, this section is a narrative. It's telling us a story. This section is command you know mm -hmm. this is god says you shall you shall um and then you know this section over here is poet you know prophetic poetry you know mm -hmm. i'm gonna do that god says all this stuff i'm gonna you can get a bit so mixed up it's easy to say okay well this section is the commands and and the fact is in the torah there are no specific commands against polygamy um but you know and it even talks about if you you know, it, it even talks about wives in the plural, um, in in the commands. More of um, a but, description rather than a prescription. Well, that's in the prescription part. It it well, it describes them it's as having more. It's not saying to do. Yeah, it's this. not saying to do it. It's kind of like when you get in debt. Yeah, it's not saying to <laughs> do it. Get out of it as fast as possible. So the the issue is in the in the prescriptive part. It's it's not saying to there do it, but examples. it's not saying yeah. it's not saying not to do it, mm -hmm. but when you when you don't lock yourself into this sort of it's, it honestly it's an aristotelian categorizing system it's this this hard fast this goes in this category this goes in this category when you when you read scripture the way it, it's written to us it's written in a way to tell us things about god tell us things about right and wrong in multiple different ways in what it and it comes down to wisdom and, and things like that. And there's, it's, it's, it's really deep and it's really complicated um, when it comes, when it really, when you start to really dig, but, but in another sense, it's, it's pretty simple. And it is that when, whenever you see multiple wives it in the examples, in the narratives of the scripture, whenever you see multiple wives, it never turns out well, never, not ever. Joseph got soul. <laughs> yeah. And when you see, you know, just like whenever and whenever you see favoritism of children, it never turns out well. Right. So scripture teaches us things in more than one way. And I think this is one of the reasons why I can say, you know, because here's the thing. The, the guys in the Hebrew Roots movement who have multiple wives, you know, yeah, I mean, you look at the Torah, there's no command against that. Um, my question is for those in, in the Hebrew Roots movement who don't think that's okay, who think that you're supposed to just have one wife, um, I would say, okay, where's the Torah command that? You know, where's the Torah tell you only one wife? And they will have to say, well, just what I don't said. You, you look at these the, examples, yeah. but that's that's no longer reading it in such a way that, that you're going to always come to those sort of uh, conclusions that, that they wow. come to. Wow, Drew, that's... Don't you think that the word adultery, yeah. though, means just one? Well. I uh, have to do a word study, huh? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but, it talks about. Yeah. You definitely shined but... some light that I had not thought of before. Right. So any other questions? I do believe so. Let me check. If I skipped it, I'm very sorry. 
No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, went a little long tonight, but that's okay. Uh, appreciate you guys being here and um, appreciate you coming and hey, thanks for letting sitting me sitting with us. And yeah, glad we could all be here tonight again. And until next week, God bless and see you we'll see you then. for listening to the Beginning of Wisdom podcast. You can follow Andrew Schumacher and the ministry at beginningwisdom.org, where you can find links to the YouTube channel and follow on social media. Sign up for email alerts to never miss new content. Please like, share, and rate the episode if it has blessed you. God bless and always be ready.